Check, check. Oh. Is it working? All right. Good evening, everyone. Thanks for being here tonight. We're going to go ahead and get started. We, uh, we're not going to do any music together tonight. We will do music for the, the following two Wednesday nights. Tonight we're going to have a group of people who were part of the Houston mission trip over spring break, share about their, their trip, and then... For she's with us uh, tonight to be able to share some more about what God's doing in his life and through the connection and partnership we have with, uh, with the ministry that the Lord's given him. He's going to share about that, and then we'll have Bible study together um, afterward. The following two Wednesday nights, we'll continue to do regular do hymns and, and Bible study, and then what would be the next week is Holy Week leading up to Easter and so for the last few years, we've done the Holy Week experience, the Maundy Thursday opportunity in the worship center where you can go through the different prayer stations and scripture reading. That will stay the same. It will still be available on Thursday, but we're also going to offer that just for our church on Wednesday night from 5 o'clock to 7 o'clock. So the worship center will be open on Wednesday night. We won't do a service in here It'll be if someone wants to come and, and be, do that with their family Wednesday night between 5 and 7. And then just like we've done in the past, voting hours, 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. on Thursday. And over the next couple of weeks, we'll be coming to you looking for people who can volunteer during the day to help us out with that. So screen your calls. Watch out for your emails because we're, uh, we're coming after you uh, to, to do that. One other thing, and then I'm going to turn it over to Jim. This will be in the new bulletin coming up for April, but the first Sunday night of April, April the 7th, is our regularly scheduled spring business meeting. So we'll meet at 5 o'clock that Sunday night, April the 7th. And then afterward, we're going to have a church picnic and game time. So we'll provide hot dogs, chips, drinks. You all bring desserts uh, and games Hopefully the weather will be nice and we can play outside. If not, we'll play board games and basketball inside. But that'll be the first Sunday night of April, uh, April 7th at, at 5 o'clock that night. So just, uh, just a heads up at that. Let me pray for us, and then I'm going to hand it off to Jim, and we'll go from there. Father, thank you for the gift of being able to be together tonight. God, thank you for how much this church means to me and my family God, thank you for the things that you're doing in and through us, not by our own efforts or strength, God, but by your grace and power and mercy, God, that, that we strive with all your power powerfully working within us. And so, God, thank you for the way that uh, you work through us. God, thank you for Jim and the gift of being able to minister and serve alongside him and the, the opportunities our church has with missions here in the community and around the world. And God, I pray that even tonight as we, as we hear testimonies and we study your word, God, that our hearts would be encouraged and that we'd be, we'd be challenged to live out our faith each day and to share your love with those around us. 
And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Owen. Well, church family, we want to share tonight with you just to give you a report of uh, you hear about our youth going to uh, Houston. And, uh, and Karen Primrose is going to give a solo, right? Oh, okay. Oh, <laughs> she's giving us money. Okay. All right. So I was hoping you'd sing, Karen. All right. Uh, but uh, anyways, appreciate you guys every Wednesday night. They're always in there working. So, uh, But uh, uh, our Houston team went, and uh, tonight you're going to get to hear from uh, Lindsay Mendenhall and TJ Whitmill and then uh, do that. J.D. Greer said, uh, you can't be passionate about anything, uh, the things that you don't see. And I want to encourage us that as we look at uh, going outside of these doors, that uh, we constantly keep our eyes open for where God is at work and what God has for each one of us. And at this time, I'm going to invite TJ up. He's going to leave after he gets through sharing to go over for choir practice. And Lindsay's going to come up and share. And her and Meredith are going to head back to the youth and all that. I like being considered youth. <laughs> uh, no, I, I uh, really enjoyed being able to go on this mission trip. You know, sometimes you go on mission trips, and you're not really sure what to expect. Uh, I didn't really have a whole lot of expectation. If Jim would have come to me and said, hey, let's go jump in a van and drive for seven hours and then work like dogs for two days, does that excite you? And then we'll come home and, you know, about midnight the next night. Uh, I probably wouldn't have gone, but... Uh, Something really uh, about this trip for me was an opportunity to see my son serve. Uh, I've been on mission trips with him before, but really just kind of want to, you know, he's, it's not going to be too long and my son's going to be gone off to college. And I really want to see him interact with the youth around him, serve the community, serve with his church. But I didn't expect something. For me, I didn't expect that I would be impacted by all our youth. I didn't expect to really be encouraged by seeing how they served. I honestly kind of expected maybe a little, uh, maybe a little cynical too. Well, I'm going to have to really prod these guys along or drag them along. They were dragging me along by the end of the trip, and I was very encouraged by that. So, uh, also, I was encouraged uh, by our our youth pastor, uh, Jaron has an extremely huge heart for this ministry. Uh, to see him, and I've seen him interact with the youth, but to see him uh, just, he really is just full of mercy. He is just very patient with youth. Uh, I'm sure he's used to it, but it's not just Jaron serving. It's his whole family serving. His wife is in it. His kids are in it, and it was incredibly encouraging to me just to see that. Um, and then just to see Jim's heart, uh, looking for ways to reach out to this community that I know he's been involved with uh, since the hurricanes down there in Houston. Uh, we had a couple of opportunities from people in the church that we were able to serve with. Uh, we went and cleaned up one uh, gentleman's yard who they had actually been there last year. Uh, and quite frankly, I don't, I'm not sure it looked a whole lot better. There was just trash piles everywhere. So you could see the need, just the physical need this guy had for somebody to reach out. Uh, a lot of these folks that had devastation by the hurricanes had insurance, but there were a whole bunch who didn't. And they're literally living in the conditions that they've been in since the hurricane. So uh, it, was, it was really, there really is a need to be able to serve down there. I know the, the church has been doing it, but as Jim said, to be able to go and see it with your eyes 
and to dig in was uh, something special to be a part of. Um, we actually had gotten kind of the projects done that were kind of mapped out originally to be done, and Jim had asked the church if there was some other way that we could reach out to the community, and he really was looking for just uh, somebody who just really needed somebody to, to show him some love, <laughs> and he, I, I believe the story is, uh, I wasn't with him at the time, but I believe he pulled into a parking lot where he saw a parked police officer and just said, we're looking for somebody in the community that really needs our help. And I believe she said, I know the family, <laughs> or I know the house. They had been, uh, from what I understand, they had been really dogged by the community because of the outside of their house. They had just really been devastated by the storms. It looked like the house hadn't, nothing had, much had been done to it since the storm but yet they were still living in it. We actually got a chance, Jim and I, to walk around the house, and there were vines growing into the house, uh, just a lot of uh, stuff going on, and it just kind of made us wonder what was going on inside the house. You know, what was the condition of the folks inside the house, this family? Uh, so, and I was, I was a little hesitant, but Jim's like, hey, let's go knock on this door. We need to do this, you know, and, and it's not like a church had reached out and said, hey, somebody's coming. You know, we were doing this just, this was a cold call, and uh, so we, we knocked on the door, and there's a couple of signs. One says no trespassing, so I'm already a little nervous, and then the other one says no soliciting. And I'm thinking, well, we're soliciting free stuff, so maybe, you know, we're not asking for money. Maybe we won't get shot, and uh, so he knocks on the door, and the guy was very hesitant. Uh, he didn't want to come out to speak with us, and he said, no, I don't, I don't, I'm not really interested, and, and Jim had a tenacity about him. And it was really interesting because he wasn't going to let it go. He said, are you sure there's nothing we can do for you? You know, and, and he, guy, he just kept coming up with excuse after excuse. And Jim wasn't going to let it go. And he goes, tell you what, let us just fix your fence. He lived on a corner. He had really been, I believe the HOA was going to sue him because of the condition of his, the outside of his home. Uh, he was under a lot of pressure. And Jim said, let, let us at least just fix your fence. It kind of hides some of the stuff going on in your home. And he said, well, I can't pay for that. And Jim said, don't worry about it. We got it. We're going to do the work. We're going to provide the material. We just, we just feel like we're here to serve you. And you could just see the guard and the walls just fall from this guy. And I, I could just see him looking at us thinking, why would you do that? Why would you do that for me? Why would you do it for free? And then as we brought our group over, I mean, who knows what he was thinking? I mean, there was 31 of us showing up on his front lawn. And we just got to work, and the kids just immediately got to work, and they were cleaning the flower beds out, and they were cleaning just the junk in the yard, and they did it without hesitation. They weren't really told much to do. We were just cleaning things up. I could tell he was a little nervous, maybe a little apprehensive, you know, people going through his house, but I could also see him coming out of the house, which he wasn't doing before. And then his family started coming out of the house and started to talk with our family our church family, and, uh, you know, God is going to use that. I don't know how. We were able to provide a physical need. We were able to share the gospel in more than one way, but I believe God's going to use that. We planted a seed there. Um, we were able to hear the story that this family was going through, and I won't go into all of it, but there was, there was a lot going on in this house. There's a lot of physical uh, needs, uh, a ton of spiritual needs. Uh, 
And I believe God put us in the right place at the right time. And I believe for us, that house was our mission. David was our mission, him and his family. And I believe that God's going to intervene in his life in a big way. And he doesn't know it yet. So if you ever want to get to know people in your church, get in a van and drive. <laughs> You'll get to know them. Thank you. Hi, my name is Lindsay, if you don't know me. Um, I'm going to keep this pretty short and sweet. Um, this is my second year traveling to Houston with the youth group, and I just learn more and more every time I go about our youth group and the people we serve and that community. Um, this year, Jaron contacted me and asked me to give a devotional towards the beginning of the week, and I just, like, in my heart, I felt that I needed to share about like why we should serve because I always think like why me like am I good enough to serve these people am I good enough to minister to these people and one of the verses I focused on was Ephesians 2:10, for we are his creation created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them and when I gave this devotional I wasn't really expecting I was expecting God to work in my life, but I didn't expect to be impacted this much. Um, the house that TJ just shared about was not in our schedule at all. We were not expecting to go there. Um, the church had not planned for us to go there. It was just something that was in God's plan ahead of time. And it was just really cool, the impact we had on that house and David's family. And so just next time, like, you think, how can I serve? Like, am I good enough? And just, like, trust God's plan because if we didn't trust God's plan, we would have never gone to that house. We would have never helped that family. So, yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Lindsay. All right, they're going to head off to youth. Uh, I, I will share, I got a text from one of our students uh, that just said, uh, hey, Jim, I liked what we did in Houston. Can I do that here? And I want to tell you, church family, um, when when I get up and ask, or when we ask, ask to uh, head off somewhere with us, I want to tell you, my goal isn't certain people. My goal is all of us. Is, and so my question to you is, where are you going to go? And, and that may be simply, uh, I joke that uh, I've put some things together on that back table. Uh, we've got a no-fly zone, which is all right here around us and opportunities to be able to serve and uh, to share the gospel. Uh, but also, uh, I'm looking for three people that I desperately need to go to Calgary with me, leaving Thursday before Easter and coming back Monday. Uh, we've got a plan to be there and uh, look forward to uh, that opportunity. And then uh, we've got other groups coming up. Uh, but uh, I'll, I'll share more about that. But I just want to share with you as a church family that you know, the youth going to Houston, uh, just an incredible opportunity. Uh, we, Jared and I have talked about this of, you know, leaving out Saturday morning, coming back Wednesday. It allows families to still be able to have a spring break, but uh, the impact that those kids had uh, down there was pretty powerful. And like TJ said, on him, uh, on me, and uh, on those kids. And so I'm thankful for uh, them being able to go. Uh, and uh, I also just want to say that uh, if you would, to be praying for David and his family. Uh, he introduced us to his two kids, 
and uh, his uh, two kids both had uh, different moms, and they all lived under this one roof. And uh, uh, David just began to, he, he told me, Jim, uh, I've, he called me boss. He said, uh, boss, I haven't, I haven't been out of the house in uh, but about 30 minutes in the last uh, year, nine months to a year. He's dealing with major depression. And so just a reminder that uh, those places that we gripe about <laughs> in our community, uh, I wish they'd keep it up. There's probably a story there. And uh, this afternoon at lunch, I, I drove around through some of our neighborhoods just praying through, God, what is it that you have for us? Where is it? Uh, we've got a serve day coming up in May. Uh, and uh, looking for ways that we as a church can engage our community. So I'm going to ask you to join me in praying for that. Uh, Carl has had us out uh, on the first Wednesday nights, uh, going out uh, and visiting door-to-door, and I want to encourage you, next Wednesday we're going to be out. Uh, meet up here at 4 o'clock. Uh, we're going to go door-to-door. Uh, we've got a couple of opportunities coming up. We'll do it on Sundays, but uh, I want to encourage you to do that. Owen and I were walking down the street, and uh, the first door I went to, I I said, hey, my name is Jim from Emmaus, and we're just checking on our neighbors. I want to see how we can pray for you. And they said, I said, is there anything I can pray for you about? And, and she said, uh, well, we're looking for a church home. Um, I said, okay. Second home I went to, the second home was, nobody was there. The third home, I knocked on the door. The girl answered the door and told her the same thing. And uh, she was real reluctant, kind of had the door closed. And I said, is there anything we'd be praying for you about? And she opened up the door wide open, and she said, would you pray for my husband? He's laying in a bed in the living room, had been in a serious accident here at 179th and Western, had a walker. He was probably about 30 years old. And uh, uh, she said, would you pray for my husband? Um, I'm looking forward to going back. Our prayer quilt ministry, I took their name that next morning. And uh, so hopefully, I think tomorrow or next week, we'll be able to take that quilt uh, to him. And then another door down the road, a uh, guy uh, answers the door. How can we pray for you? Well, I've got cancer. I've got a confession for you, church family. A lot of times I've, I've thought, uh, people are tired. They don't want to open their door to us. We're just, we live in this time where people are not uh, willing to be receptive to that. And I, I, I firmly believe, just as a reminder, that's, just a, that's something the devil is just putting in my mind. And I want to encourage us as a church family that we would approach everything with eyes wide open as that, that the Lord wants to work in that person's life and that he may use us as a tool uh, to be able to do that and for us to be sensitive to the leading of the Holy Spirit and, and just being sensitive to reaching out in whatever way we can uh, for the purpose. And here's the other thing. I think it's, I think it's good for us to be able to go do good, do good things but to verbally tell them about God's love and to tell them about who Christ is. And they may not trust Christ at that time, but we've got to be faithful to do that. And uh, I'm, I, I say this stuff to you because I'm, my confession is I, I need you to hold me accountable and I'm going to hold you accountable as, as we do that, as we move forward. One of the beautiful ways that I've seen us as a church family, uh, you don't know the full story about what's been taking place, uh, but uh, uh, Pastor Fashid here is um, uh, brought him back here in the fall to share his testimony with you, and I hope you were here that night, and if you weren't, I'd, I'd love for you to hear his testimony again, but uh, 
He's going to be joining us on Wednesday nights most time, but uh, uh, we have partnered with him in reaching uh, out to uh, Middle Easterners, Iranians, Muslims in our community. We've partnered with Henderson Hills, and uh, they were meeting as a congregation at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church, and uh, Cherokee Hills was really uh, having a hard time to continue sustaining that ministry. And so we approached, uh, we've together, we're working with Henderson Hills, Cherokee Hills, and, and us to be able to help support what's taking place. And I want you as a church family to know, to be praying. And uh, my prayer is this, that uh, uh, last Sunday, was it your first Sunday to meet as a congregation? They met at Edmond at Henderson Hills. There's a huge population in uh, Edmond. So when we first uh, introduced uh, Fashid to uh, Henderson Hills, and just praying through this, uh, the, this is what Henderson Hills, Mike Wall told me, their missions pastor. He said, Jim, do you know what our greatest need for translators is in our, uh, our hope ministry? And it was for those who speak Farsi. And here comes Fashid. Fashid speaks Farsi. They've got a, a ready uh, group of people to share the gospel with. And uh, we drove around campus a couple weeks ago looking for safe places to meet with students. He's got two students that I believe that he, four students currently meeting with uh, and uh, discipling them and showing them uh, the gospel and uh, looking for opportunities to do that. I'm going to have Fashid come up and just share, and I'm thankful for him, and I want you as a church, as he shares, just to be reminded that uh, we are joining together to be praying for him. Hi. Wow, was so great always to hear these testimonies when the love of Christ takes action. You know, and Lord uses us to do that. Um, I'm so thankful for being here tonight and be witness of the, this uh, obedience to our callings. Uh, as Jim shared, uh, I've been in Oklahoma City for 10 years and Lord has brought me all the way from Iran to here, which is a great <laughs> miracle. And uh, last week was our first week, and we had 34 Iranians gathered together, and we worshipped the Lord. It was such an impact in all the church that they witnessed that, and they saw that. I have the same heart and same desire Lord has put in my heart for Norman. We want to do that. We want to witness to the people that they are in need of that. You know, when you are coming back from a background that I have come back, come from, you know what it means to have that peace. And you don't get that peace unless you have that relationship with Jesus. So that's that. So I know what they need. And I have experienced it myself so now it's my duty to do that to witness to them to be there for them and let them know that they can come here if they are feeling if they are know they know that they are thirsty and they need it so that's what we are doing um, uh, yesterday so tuesdays and wednesdays i'm going to be in norman and in this area in more and uh, tuesdays i'm going to be on the campus visiting uh, students that right now Lord has brought four of the OU students in our ministry 
and um, I'm visiting with them and we have Bible studies with each other and also there's a lot of Iranians also in this uh, area so we are praying for them and we are we want to be here available for them so if they want they could come and we will let them know but at the same time I want you to know that what do you have invest on I know that you're looking to Christ you're not looking to what rewards you're getting but we don't I always say to my congregation we cannot even imagine what Lord has for us this coming Sunday a young lady in Iran gonna get baptized that's a part of my ministry I witness to Iranians online and uh, I have a about 22 Iranians in Germany that I lead them and I have Bible study with them and about 30 something in Iran and in Turkey. So one of them, this Sunday, she said she called me today. She said, my dad is going for a trip and he's not gonna be home for eight hours. And my mom, I'm planning to send her to her sister's house, to my aunt's house. So I'm gonna be alone at home and I can get baptized. She lives in Southwest of Iran and she's from Arab part of Iran. And believe me, whenever I talk with her, sometimes I hear her dad or her brother's voice and I start scaring. If they find out, they're gonna kill her. In that culture, if they do that, it's a shame for the family. And they have to, if they want their name to be cleared, they have to do that. So she's, taking that risk to get baptized. You're supporting us to do this. And Lord, dear, on May also I'm gonna go to Turkey and we have a lot of things coming up. So be in prayer for us and uh, that Lord would lead us and help us and help me, give me wisdom, how to share, how to be there with for them and how to encourage them and to be there for all these lost people. I appreciate you. Thank you. Uh, Pastor Mike Keybone at Cherokee Hills Baptist Church shared with me, he said, Jim, it, one of the most powerful things to be able to see one of those baptisms where they're following through with faith in Christ, they're, they're being baptized knowing that they could be killed. And uh, the things that we take for granted. And uh, I believe that one of the things that the Lord continues to teach me is our Americanized Christianity, our cultural Christianity. Uh, I feel like it just keeps knocking me <laughs> to the ground with uh, different uh, thoughts and reminders of who God is. And uh, Rashid, we're praying for you and thankful for you and your ministry. In fact, we've got a group. We just Got a group going in July to Ukraine, and they're coming back through Munich, uh, spending the night. So, love to get them connected somehow. So that'd be awesome. Uh, and, uh, anyways, I want to share with you just a couple of things uh, coming up uh, this Saturday. Uh, we've got a disaster relief training that's going to be taking place from eight to noon, and uh, we'd love to invite you up. If anything, I, I need volunteers to be able to help, kind of point people where they need to be. I've got several that have volunteered, but I need more. Um, and uh, Saturday morning, we're just meeting here in the lobby, 7.30, 7.45, uh, to make sure people know where they're going around the campus. We're all going to be in this building, but outside we'll be doing 
training for mud out and uh, chainsaw crews and shower trailer, laundry trailer, and uh, different things like that. Feeding team will be uh, doing that. And uh, so if you're interested in that, it's a great opportunity just to come and go to that orientation. They'll do a background check on everybody, and then uh, we do that. We're actually sending teams to Bellevue, Nebraska, uh, through the Oklahoma Disaster Relief. Uh, so if that's of interest to you, uh, one of the things that uh, I do uh, is we coordinate all the shower and laundry trailers for disaster relief for the state of Oklahoma. So we've got a shower trailer up there right now and a laundry unit in, uh, in Bellevue, Nebraska. So we just need a couple of people, uh, but we've put that word out through the state. Uh, so that doesn't fall on just us. But if you're interested in that, we'd love for you to uh, jump in and um, participate in that. Uh, love to get you connected, uh, going to serve in that way. Uh, huge floods that are happening there uh, just around the Omaha area. Uh, and then uh, just a reminder of uh, going to Calgary. Uh, if you're interested in that, uh, let me know. Uh, in fact, I uh, last week found out that uh, Tim Horton, uh, one of the flights that he flies is a direct flight from Dallas to Calgary. So we're, we're trying to connect with Tim so Tim can fly us. Uh, so uh, anyways, excited about that and uh, uh, thankful for Tim and, and his ministry and, and doing that. So uh, anyways, Pastor Owen, uh, thanks for letting us uh, share tonight, and um, church family, thanks for how you continue to to give and support, and, and uh, uh, I do want to give, I'm going to give an update. Uh, a couple weeks ago, we, we shared with you the Wellness Center, uh, and I've sent you an email about that. Uh, we made a, pre they made a presentation to the uh, committee that was dealing with that. Uh, they chose another group. Uh, in another part of uh, the city, and I don't know exactly where, uh, that they're going to partner with. So what I want to say to you is thanks for letting us come to you. When we see open opportunities to be able to connect with the community, the opportunities to be able to share with the gospel, um, we want to be faithful and following through with that. And I'm thankful that Emmaus has time and time again proven that, uh, that we're ready to step up and minister to our community in, uh, in different ways, and thanks for letting us explore that together with you. I know uh, that night it probably didn't make a lot of sense, uh, and uh, well, I know it didn't because I got a lot of questions about it, And uh, but uh, hopefully the email uh, clarified that, and uh, we want to continue to clarify that. Any, any questions that you have, uh, I'd love to be able to answer those, and, and you can call me anytime, but uh, church family, thanks for giving. Uh, thanks for praying. And uh, may we continue to go, whether it's here across the street or around the world. Thanks. All right, Emmaus, uh, just for a moment, if you're able, stand up. And sit down. All right, very well done. Good job. All right. Worship comes in a lot of forms. Uh, it's good to be able to sing together. It's really good to be able to share testimonies uh, together and, and to be able to stand up and stretch. All right. We're going to continue our study through the Beatitudes. So Matthew chapter 5. There's a half sheet of paper. Well, they look like they were all picked up. I guess we're out. That's a good problem. I need to start printing more of those. Thanks for being here on Wednesday night. That's fun. I'll print more next time. Um, 
I'll print more next time and nobody will show up. And then we don't. <laughs> I know how this works. Um, if you got one of the half sheets of paper, we're going to be looking at Beatitude number three and four, Matthew chapter five. Let's actually start in, in verse two where Jesus begins that sermon. Matthew chapter five, verse two. He opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Then our two verses for tonight. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. If you remember that word bless there, is the word for when you look at another person and you say, that person is living the good life. Their life is flourishing. Their life is full of honor. It's not even inappropriate to say happiness if we understand happiness in the full sense of that word. Uh, the Bible uses two prominent words for blessed. One of those words is the divine top-down blessing that God blesses his people by his gracious provision. That's a good foundational Bible word. There's a second word for blessed when you look at another person and say that person's living the good life. And so Jesus, as he begins the Sermon on the Mount, what he is doing is he's saying, hey, for the, those who are part of the kingdom of heaven, the good life is going to look very different than it does for someone who is not a follower of Jesus, not a part of God's kingdom. Uh, you look around you and what people consider a flourishing, full, abundant life looks different when you talk about following Jesus. Well, what does it look like? According to verse 5, happy, fulfilled, abundant, flourishing are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Now, to get a good feel for this, we need to go back to the Old Testament, to Psalm chapter 37. So, if you would, in your phone or in your Bible, if you would turn back to Psalm chapter 37, This is almost certainly the background text, the foundation that Jesus would have been uh, working from when he's talking about blessed are the meek. And it means both meek in our relationship to others, so not being oppressive or arrogant or overbearing, but also meek in our relationship toward the Lord. Um, humility toward the Lord should drive humility toward others. Uh, anyone who could stand arrogantly before the Lord is the type of person that's going to turn around and try to use others, be overbearing toward others, that, that type of idea. So meek before the Lord drives us to be meek before others. Now, Psalm chapter 37 is, is our background here. Fret not yourself. This is 37.1. Fret not yourself because of evildoers. Be not envious of wrongdoers. For they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. Just to orient ourselves, the idea here is Jesus' disciples might have said, Yeah, Lord, but look at the people who are so overbearing and so aggressive and so powerful by the world. They're getting ahead in the world. They're really making something of themselves. They have all the good things. And you're telling us the good life comes to those who are meek. And Jesus says, yeah, it looks like they're ahead now, but remember, they will soon fade like the grass and wither like the green herb. So what do you do? 
Well, Psalm 37.3 says, Trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. And then a verse that you may have memorized or heard before, Delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Verse 5, Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the noonday. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way, over the man who carries out evil devices. What does it look like to be meek? To be still before the Lord. To say, Lord, I trust you to take care of that situation in a way that you're not calling me to do on my, on my own. Now watch what happens in verse 8. This is what it feels like. Refrain from anger and forsake wrath. Fret not yourself. It tends only to evil. What are the other translations doing with that fret not that keeps showing up? So what would be the first part of the second half of verse 8? Do not fret. Oh, come on. Anything better than that? <laughs> Is that it? Fret? Don't be agitated? Refrain from anger? What's the second half of verse 8 in that? Um, Lana, what do you get? Do not fret again. Yeah. So do not be agitated. Do not fret. Yeah, that, that's the idea there. Fret. That's a good word that we should use more, apparently. So uh, verse 9 uh, Okay, watch what happens in verse 9. For the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. Do you remember what the promise was in the Beatitudes? Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So right here, Psalm 37, 9, the evildoers shall be cut off, but those who wait for the Lord shall inherit the land. In just a little while, verse 10, in just a little while the wicked will be no more. Though you look carefully at his place he will not be there but the meek shall inherit the land and delight themselves in abundant peace psalm 37:11 really all of psalm 37 is the background and and in the beatitudes Jesus is just riffing off that psalm that the people would have known as he's telling them this is what the good life looks like so you go back to the idea here if you go back to Matthew chapter 5 Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. So what is the opposite of being meek? Someone who is arrogant, someone who is oppressive, someone who is overbearing, someone who has power and they're out of control with that power, any type of fretting or agitating or scheming. Meek, and you have probably heard this, but meek doesn't mean weak. Meek is power under control, not power out of control. So meek is not weak. Meek is power under control. Meek means patience and self-control before the Lord. Lord, I trust you to do what you need to do. Um, this is that time in life where you try to force open a door over and over again, or you try to take care of a situation over and over again, and you try to make it happen, and then it feels like you just take your hand off the, uh, the situation and everything begins to open up. Um, you're like, oh, so you were able to take care of that when I was trying to force it all this time. It's that type of idea, meek before the Lord and then meek before others. Uh, we're all prone to want to control the actions of other people. 
um, whether it's through power or whether it's through being passive aggressive, I want to control someone else's actions when we realize, in fact, unfortunately, that's not my calling in life, to control someone else's actions. So we're not overbearing, we're not fretting, we're not scheming, we're not being passive aggressive. We're just coming to them as someone who's humble, someone who has self-control. Now, the danger with meek, and, and you could probably feel this, the danger with meek is that we become passive um, and we've already mentioned that passive so quickly leads to passive-aggressive. So meek doesn't mean I'm passive towards someone. Meek just means I realize my job is not to control another person's life, especially if I try to do it through my personal power or my personal scheming. What do you get when you live that way? Well, the second is they will inherit the earth. The background of that comes from the promises that God makes to his people, that he creates the earth and puts them in there. And then in Genesis chapter 12, he promises Abraham, or Abram, that you will have a people and they will live in the land. The people were always looking to get into the land that God had given them. Finally, they get into the promised land where they're going to be able to inherit the land, but they get in there and they begin to fall victim to, to sin and death and destruction. And so the exile happens. And it looks like with the exile, they have lost their inheritance or they have wasted their inheritance. There's even a little bit of prodigal son uh, parable going on here that when the prodigal son has gone away, he represents in some way the people who have squandered their inheritance. God has said, I'm giving you this land you came here and you made a mess of it, but I will bring you back. I will receive you back the way a father receives his child back. And so the inheritance is another way of returning to exile. You return to the land that you've been given. Now the word earth, when it says they shall inherit the earth, sometimes that was connected specifically with the Jewish land that the people of Israel would have, but it became symbolic of something more expansive, that you would not just inherit a particular piece of land, but it would be all of God's creation that would be given for, for his people. We become heirs with Christ, ultimately, of, of the new creation. So you inherit this, you don't take it yourself. What this speaks against what this speaks against is the danger of imperialism or always taking more and more and more from someone. There, there's so much to be said of this idea in, in the Bible, especially the wisdom literature, that one of, and we're going to talk about this Sunday morning, one of God's great gifts to his people is the idea of limits, that we are meant to occupy a certain amount of ground. And the fact that I would take someone else's land more and more and more land away from them is completely contrary to what it means to inherit the earth. God says, be faithful with what I've given you, and I'll take care of everything else. We live, though, in a world where I'm going to get and get and get, I'm going to take and take and take, and our taking knows no limits. Well, when you continue to take, you're not being a very good neighbor at that, situ at that time. You set yourself up as the Lord instead of letting him be the Lord and say, this is the land that I've given you. And so this whole idea, be meek. You're going to inherit the earth. It's going to work out. You have to trust me. Now, 
The next beatitude, so beyond that, so the meek, those who trust the Lord, they will ultimately inherit the earth. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6 says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. This righteousness here is a righteous living that God has called us to, but we also know that Scripture teaches that it's not a righteousness of our own. It's a righteousness of Christ that we come to receive as we follow after him. And so in your notes there, it's the righteousness to live as God requires as we trust him. So we are hungering and thirsting for something that we don't already have but we need. It's something that we can't provide on our own, but it's what we were made for. So what would be the opposite of that? If Jesus says the good life, the abundant life, comes to those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, what's the opposite? Well, one opposite is that you become complacent or passive or apathetic about things of God. Almost certainly, at some point in your life, you've reached a point where you said, you know what? I don't really hunger and thirst for the things of God like I once did. This idea of desiring and needing the word of God as your food, of having this burning desire to worship the Lord and serve him, and I just can't get enough of that, that ongoing hunger. We reach those times that we become complacent, we become passive, and we just think, you know what, I'm just not hungry for that anymore. Now, there's a couple of things that can cause that. But if you've been around young children or you've spent time in your own body for any amount of time, um, when your kids say, you know what, I'm, I'm just not hungry for, for my food right now. Like, I, I know you've set this food in front of me, like this vegetable and protein and, the, and, and fruit. You've set this. I, I'm just not hungry for that right now. What is often the cause for not being hungry in that situation? You filled yourself up on other things. Yeah. Uh, you filled yourself up on other things. So, uh, yeah, our, our, seven, our, our seven-year-old last night, she, uh, we'd put her food in front of her. It was, a, it was a little hamburger patty. Didn't want to eat the hamburger patty. You're going to eat the hamburger patty. We're not making, this is not a, you know, order whatever you want restaurant like you eat what's in front of you and didn't want to eat it so so had to eat it though to get what was going to come after dinner so I walked away and came back in and realized that the food was gone and the dog was literally licking his lips <laughs> like she said oh that hamburger was so good <laughs> and I said really I, it was really good huh yeah yeah and the only way she was choking that hamburger down was if she dipped it in ranch, and I could see all the ranch was still there on, on her plate. She said, ah, I'm, I'm really full, but I think I could have dessert. <laughs> Why is the dog over there lapping up the water <laughs> after he's licking his lips? I, I don't know. You're like, oh, depravity. <laughs> it catches all of us so, so soon. We're not hungry because we're filling ourselves up with other things. We have to be careful we say, I'm just not hungering for the Lord the way that I once did. I, I'm just not thirsting after the things of him. Is it because he's not as good anymore? 
No, it probably has something to do with the way we're trying to satisfy ourselves, the way we're gorging ourselves on things that we don't necessarily need, and it leaves us not hungry for what we really do need. So we become complacent, we become passive. This idea that we would be gluttonous for unrighteousness or self-righteousness. So we, we don't want the good food we should have, but we're really hungry for the stuff that we don't particularly need. Uh, we desire that. So what we're really wanting to get to a point of is where we hunger after the things of God. And there's so many good verses about this, but just a reminder from Matthew 4, 4, that temptation scene where Jesus says, he's, he's quoting Deuteronomy, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God, that what we more, need more than anything are the things of God, the word of God, that we hunger for that. And then John chapter 4, verse 34, where he says, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me. What happens when you hunger and thirst for righteousness? That this is a sign of the Jesus people, that they hunger. What happens? They will be filled. This is the message from the Gospel of John, that Jesus becomes the living water that satisfies in a way that nothing else can. That Jesus is the bread of life who satisfies in a way that nothing can. Matthew chapter 14, verse 20, as Jesus is feeding the people, it says, they all ate and were satisfied. Uh, this is colloquial language from the New Testament that literally, when you read out the word, means they were stuffed. Uh, they all ate and were stuffed. They were content. They were pushed back from the table, pat your belly content. Like, this is the good life because Jesus has satisfied us with what we desperately need more than anything else. And the best part of this is that feasting, this idea of hungering and thirsting for the things of God and being filled, feasting becomes an image for the new heavens and the new earth. If you turn your, uh, turn your paper over to the back, down at the very bottom, there are two verses I want you to look at on, on the back there. Psalm chapter 42, verses 1 through 2. As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. For the Jesus people, that is true of their life, that we thirst for the things of the Lord. And then Isaiah chapter 25, uh, verse 6. Speaking of the, the imagery that would be used for the new creation, but, but from a prophetic standpoint, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well and refined. This picture of being satisfied with the things that the Lord provides. What happens to our bodies physically when we consume a bunch of food that we really don't particularly need. We eat it, we eat it, we eat it, and you feel good for a little bit, a little bit, and then you just feel awful. Like, well, why am I yelling at everybody? Oh, because I ate nothing but sugar for the last, uh, the last few hours. That's why I, like, I'm shaking, and, and it satisfies for a little bit, but, but not long term. In the same way, when we hunger and thirst for the things of the world, it's good for a short time, but then we find that it didn't leave us satisfied at all. In fact, it left us wanting something else to fill that gap. 
when we hunger and thirst for righteousness, the Lord says, I can supply that and you will be stuffed. <laughs> you will be filled. You will have what I can provide for you. So what's the lesson from tonight from these two together? God provides what we need. We're meek, so it's not up to us to go out and say, I, in my own power, I'm going to make my way. And we hunger and thirst for the righteousness that he's called us to. And when we do that, we inherit the earth and we'll be satisfied in him. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of, of being able to be here tonight. God, thank you for the worship that happens through the sharing of testimonies. God, we can't wait to see how you continue uh, to work in our lives individually and through our church to be able to, to share the gospel with others. And God, that as you call us to be your people, that when we love one another, when we are meek, when we hunger after the things that really matter, God, that's when we become the salt and the light to the world. So God, shape us into that type of church. Shape us into that type of people. We pray for those in our church family who are hurting, who are going through physical difficulties right now. God, that they would trust in you. It's so easy to be distracted or become jealous of those around us. It looks like everyone else, maybe who's living according to the, the ways of the world, everything's going well there, and, and we might be struggling. But God, help us to trust you, to know that what we face now is not the end of the story. God, that there is an inheritance and a satisfaction in you that goes beyond anything that we could ever find here. And so, God, let us trust you. Help us love one another well. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Thanks for being here. God bless you.